Hello, listener. Before you listen to this episode, we just wanted to let you know that outside of podcasting, we're actually theatre makers. We were actually theatre makers before we were podcasters. Yeah. And we are currently preparing for our next show, which we'll be previewing in London and then performing at the Edinburgh Fringe. We have been working so hard to fundraise for this show and we just have a tiny bit of fundraising left to do. And for this, we have launched a crowdfunder. Um, You can find it at www.crowdfunder.co.uk forward slash P forward slash the last show before we die. So if you've ever thought about donating to our Patreon but can't commit to the regular donations, this is your chance to do a one-off thing to support our work and we would really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Link in bio. Bye. Hello. Uh, hi. Welcome back to Life of Bi. We're continuing today our mini series on queerness and faith. And you might remember last month we did an episode on queerness and Christianity. And this month we're looking at queerness and Judaism. Now, the approach to this was a little bit different because we grew up knowing quite a lot about Christianity. Just, just like tacitly accepting it into the bloodstream, yeah, you know? Because we are atheist, but. We live in a, let's face it, Christian country. And a Christian society and our idea of morality and, you know, loose understandings like the Seven Commandments or whatever, they're all... That's... <laughs> Ten Commandments! <laughs> <laughs> so we clearly know loads about Christianity. <laughs> but we're going to level with you. We don't know a lot about... Seven sins! <laughs> Aren't there seven sins? <laughs> Is that what I did a dance piece at school called The Seven Sins and there was gluttony and seven deadly sins. Yeah. What I mean. Is, is that in the Bible? I don't well, know. Here, guys. <laughs> we're really fucking ignorant, okay? And we're just going to level with you about that because we haven't looked at Judaism either since we did like GCSEs. Well, yeah, you know, we I know, we yeah, we know stuff about Judaism. I like smasherings of like ad hoc research and googles yeah. and, and what we know from our queer jewish friends because because we have quite a few jewish friends yes and they're all queer they're all queer <laughs> guys. every single one is queer which is also why we're doing this episode and we came to it with this sort of like curiosity of like how is this possible <laughs> like mm. what is the relationship between queerness and Judaism, like from our perspective, and we know this isn't the full story, but from where we're standing, it looks really chummy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> looks like really nice. <laughs> but we were like, we should interrogate that a little bit more. So we interviewed three people for the episode and we ended up, this is where we started. We're doing this a bit differently because this is a two parter. We did this because two of the interviews fit really well together and are a great introduction to queerness and Judaism. Yeah, beautiful. The third interview we are going to do more on next time. But this whole thing begins with an email we got from a listener called Yaz. 
she might be listening now. Hi. Um, Great to chat. How are you doing? So (laughs) she'd heard our Christianity episode and said, hey, I'm a queer. I'm Jewish. You should talk to me. So we did. We asked her about her relationship to queerness and Judaism. It's been been a really big journey for me and like, it's actually been like the last year that kind of everything's come together, like my sexuality and finding my way with my faith. So I got brought up Jewish and like, like every Sunday I would go to like Sunday school for Jews where I'd learn about stuff and I fucking hated it. And like my mom would always send me and I'd always be like, no, why are you sending me? And then I kind of, and then I had a bat mitzvah, you know what that is. Mm-hmm. And then kind of after that, I really repelled away from it. But during her time at uni, I started to realise, wait, this is part of who I am. And I just found myself kind of wanting to explore it more for myself as opposed to any pressure. Like my family were always like, you're an adult, you can do what you want, it's fine. And I started feeling it coming from me. Um, And then now, and then I graduated uni last summer and I was like, what do I want to do? And then I'm actually now in Israel surrounded by loads of Jews and really like talking loads about Judaism and what it means. Yaz is currently living in a kibbutz. Uh, Kibbutz are communal settlements in Israel based around agricultural work. They began as utopian communities and the people living there live by socialist principles. So all the kibbutz members, no one has like their own bank account or shared People like work also off the kibbutz and it all enters one bank account and it's distributed like according to how many children you have and like your needs and la la la. And there's like a communal dining room space. Um, that's really, it's a really hard thing to describe. Yaz only planned to stay for a couple of months, but now it's been six. You, you have a girlfriend, right? Did you, is that what you said? Mm-hmm. yeah um, is she out there with you is she back here what's the vibe yes she's out here with me she's Israeli oh, so you met that <laughs> so you met that that's why you stayed longer <laughs> that's the answer <laughs> have you met her family no but I am going to on the weekend wow all of them Grandparents, cousins, everything. Whoa, I'm big. We've got you on the precipice. <laughs> what are you doing with them? Uh, it's a Jewish holiday called Shavuot, which I don't know that much about. But I know you eat lots of cheese. I love cheese. <laughs> Firstly, I just love the way that Yaz said that. <laughs> and I love the sound of this holiday. <laughs> I mean, I also love cheese, but why? <laughs> Why do Jews celebrate it? I didn't. Yeah, they're not celebrating cheese, but yeah, why? Why do they celebrate with cheese? Yeah, it turns out all our interviews took place during the week of Shavuot, a Jewish festival which celebrates the harvest, but also commemorates the giving of the law, i.e., the Torah, which actually still doesn't quite explain (laughs) the cheese. (laughs) But more on that later. Yeah, this was a great first person to talk to because. well, she's quite young and her relationship with Judaism mm. is still developing. You know, she hadn't yet given any thought or, well, she hadn't yet given much thought to the relationship between her Jewishness and her queerness. When we asked that question, she was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, apart from the fact that she met her Israeli girlfriend at a kibbutz, which is pretty queer and pretty Jewish, I'd say. It is both those things. <laughs> 
Even so, we thought it best if our research didn't stop here. So we got in touch with a queer rabbi. Let's introduce you to the sensational, the wonderful, the inimitable Rabbi Judith Levitt. Judith, have you got, um, is there something rainbow coloured on your... There are. There's rainbow and like a trans inclusion and yeah. It's like a progress, that's a kippah, right? Yeah, that's a kippah, exactly. Wow, I've never seen one like that before. Oh my God, that's beautiful. Thank you, thanks so much. Rabbi Judith was born in South Africa and her family moved to the UK when she was seven. Her dad was brought up Orthodox, but her mum was secular and as they prepared for life in the UK, her mum delivered an ultimatum. My mum said, I will only join a community that's egalitarian, um, you know, where women are equal, which I'm very, very grateful for. Rabbi Judith now works in both reform and liberal movements of Judaism. They're very inclusive, more liberal first and then reform. We're officiating um, queer marriages before they were legal in this country. Which is just so badass. I mean, I had no idea. I know that that it's was really the thing. It's really quite cool to be it's performing cool. an illegal wedding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A queer illegal wedding. I feel like there's actually nothing gayer <laughs> than a secret illegal wedding. Like, that's surely the gayest kind of wedding. <laughs> because, like, gays getting married is, like, not that revolutionary, but gays getting secretly illegally married <laughs> yeah. is suddenly, like... It takes it to a whole new level. <laughs> we asked Judith how it was coming out within a Jewish community. The weird thing was... The only lesbians that I knew as a child were a hairdresser and a rabbi because we had a part-time rabbi at our synagogue in the late 80s who, um, Rabbi Sheila Shulman of Blessed Memory, who was incredible. And she was an out lesbian in my childhood. And so when I was growing up, the only careers that I saw available to me were hairdresser or rabbi. And... (laughs) So I was like, I would be useless at cutting hair. So (laughs) rabbi is one option for me, I guess. And sort of the week after I had come out to my family and was feeling a bit fragile, I went to Rabbi Sheila's own part-time, very small community, which was a mostly queer community. And I phoned her up and I said, would it be all right to come along? And I walked in and she just opened up her arms to me and gave me the biggest hug and just said, welcome. And it was just the most amazing experience. Rabbi Judith is really keen to stress that this is just her experience and that there are still difficulties for queer people within Judaism. And on her own path to becoming the first out lesbian with a full-time rabbinic job in the UK. I mean, that's come pretty on. cool. Rabbi Judith herself faced some difficulties. It wasn't always easy. In my first year of rabbinical school, I went to someone very senior in one of the movements and said to them, I'm worried about whether I'll get a job. And they said to me, um, basically, they listed all the um, queer rabbis who'd been ordained before me and said reasons why they hadn't got jobs, basically slating their characters rather than acknowledging homophobia Mm. and I was horrified by that conversation and scared by it. Now we knew before interviewing Rabbi Mm. Judith Levitt that there are parts of the Torah that can be read or are sometimes read as condemning homosexuality specifically like sodomy. 
Yeah, like in Leviticus, for example. So we asked uh, Rabbi Judith Levitt, as a reform and liberal Jew, how she approaches elements of the Torah that appear to condemn homosexuality. So um, we call the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, and the the first five books of the Torah, which is our holiest text. So Mm -hmm. that contains Leviticus um, and and that verse. I mean, it says a man shall not lie with another man as he does with a woman. And that can be interpreted in many different ways. And, you know, we look at the Hebrew and there are many ways to look at it from different perspectives. And also, if we look at it in the time in which it was written, men were going off to war and they wanted to procreate and continue the lineage um, and so there's there's many ways that it can be interpreted. But I've heard, for example, gay men say that they, Jewish gay men, say they interpret it as we shouldn't replicate straight relationships, for example. I love that interpretation. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what the Torah is really saying here, guys. Live your own queer life. It's being like, yeah, think outside the box. Don't mimic... <laughs> rom-coms straight (laughs) rom-coms in your queer sex life yeah love that love that so rabbi judith says you can interpret the torah that way but she actually goes a little bit further this is probably a controversial thing to say about text and lots of other jews wouldn't agree with me but i think we don't have to accept every single thing that's in the torah because there's slavery in the torah we don't i mean Absolutely no. So I think even if one was to interpret the Leviticus text in the way that it has been traditionally and has been used against queer people, um, I think it's okay to say we don't believe that anymore. And in fact, one of the central texts of rabbinic Judaism is all about interpretation. Yeah, and that text is called the Talmud. In the Talmud, which is... Um, books of Jewish law, which contains, they contain debates between ancient rabbis um, arguing with one another um, over different, um, over the interpretation of different laws and telling stories to interpret those laws. Um, And that was codified in about 400 CE. So if the Torah is the call, the Talmud is the response. Nice. And we would just like to take a moment here to apologise to any Jewish listeners. Yeah, we're so sorry. We already know this shit. Yeah, obviously. And there will be people out there like us who also haven't thought about Judaism. We hope. We would imagine. We're not the only people. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Back to Judith. And in the Talmud, they articulate, I think, seven different genders in that exist and five of which are not are basically not either male or female Ah! (laughs) wow (laughs) what are they can you talk us through those yes i made a note actually wow (laughs) fascinating you thought it might come up did you (laughs) (laughs) no it's quite it's honestly like quite amazing what we can find like in the ancient texts um so there's androgynous, which is, I mean, it's Greek word, obviously, but having both male and female characteristics. Tum-tum, lacking sexual characteristics, 
but I've heard people interpret that as um, basic. I've heard people interpret, trans men interpret that as having um, female um, genitalia, but male characteristics. Um, yeah, different rabbis interpret it in different ways. There's a fabulous website called Trans Torah, where rabbis interpret ancient texts in amazing ways. It's really wonderful. Um, Ilonit Hamar. Um, identified female at birth, but later naturally developing male characteristics. Um, Ilonita Dumb, identified female at birth, oh, um, but later developing male characteristics through human intervention. Um, um, Saris Hamar, identified male at birth, but later developing female characteristics. Sarisa Dumb, identified male at birth, and later are developing female characteristics through human intervention. And that's in the Talmud? That's in the Talmud. Oh, my... <laughs> what? How, wow! So, no wonder we have so many Jewish non-binary friends. Yeah. It's fucking incredible. I mean, it's it's in the Talmud. I know. All of those different kinds of genders. It does make me think, you know, that Florence Machine song? Well, you will know it because yes. I've been singing it. Yes. <laughs> Seven genders all around me. Yeah. Mary's had this stuck Seven in her head for in days and days. Mm-mm, and. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I've been hearing mm-hmm. it every day mm-hmm. as well. I think it's beautiful. It's actually seven devils. It's also, it's a bollocksing of both because it's actually <laughs> seven devils and eight genders. But Judith did initially say, Rabbi Judith did initially say, yeah, seven. So that's, I just have had it in my head since then. Yes. I love the idea of like summoning all these <laughs> multiple genders from the ether yeah. into your heart. So there's eight genders Written into this text. Written into this text. Which is obviously better than two. Yeah, but how does it... What? Where's the line between that and queer Jewish practices today? Well, one of the things we know about, we ha- you and I both know about uh-huh. queer Jewish practices today, is we have heard of, and uh, a lot of my mates have like hosted themselves, queer Passovers or Seders. Mm. And I know that there's a text during that supper that can be edited yes to make it queer friendly and i know that there was a there was like a trans themed one that my mates did yeah so that was the next thing that we asked uh rabbi judith about so with the passover haggadah the book for reading through the passover service in the in the home or in community that is intended to be adapted to each person according to their ability, so that you reach each person according to the things that they connect with, basically. So we have versions for children, you know, versions for inclusion of um, Jews of colour, all all different versions. But the queer rabbis have also adapted um, rituals and the Haggadah to be queer inclusive. So Rabbi Judith told us that the Haggadah has to include certain core elements and prayers, but it's a ritual that's actually intended to be adapted. That is literally the whole point. Yeah, it is all around the same story. So it is the story of Exodus and how the um, Israelites were freed 
from slavery in Egypt. In Egypt so yeah. those parts are always the same, uh-huh. but it's like the language around each of those parts of the story that can be changed. Um, and you found a little video. Oh, yeah. We were trying to find a queer Haggadah online. Which we didn't find, uh, but we did find an animated, like an animated version of the story. For children. Which just exactly demonstrates what Rabbi Judith was saying, which is the whole point is it being accessible. And you can watch this very cute Play-Doh version of the same <laughs> of the story. It's great. Would recommend. Anyway, so we come full circle here because it turns out that Passover kind of contains the secret to that Shavuot cheese mystery that we were talking about earlier. Because dairy is metaphorically entwined with the story in Exodus, chapter 3, verse 8. Over to you, Els. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. <laughs> so good. Yeah, you know, just it's like a sort of secret weapon. It's like cracking out the audiobook tone. <laughs> I didn't think it was very good. It was. was it? Back yourself. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I couldn't do it. So to honour um, Hashem's, which is God's, giving of milk and honey to the liberated Jews, due to days... <laughs> Jews today will eat dairy products at Shavuot. The Kabbalah Online says... May our eating dairy foods on Shavuot correspond to our receiving the sweet, nourishing words of Torah in a manner that fulfills the verse, Honey and milk are under your tongue. Songs 4... 11. So the milk and honey symbolise the giving of freedom, the giving of food, and the giving of the Torah. Yeah, so it kind of ended up being quite fitting that we were interviewing people for this episode during the week of Shavuot, when the Torah was given to the Jews, because we did kind of feel that like with each interview that we did, we were getting closer to it yeah i mean there was a certain giving right each of the interviewees was so generous yeah and we were being gifted a better understanding of judaism yeah and so it was funny to be like oh well this is like (laughs) this is like a suitable week to be engaging with this um it was like being gifted the knowledge of a religion it's not a religion okay it's a continue what do you why how would you refer to it uh it's a it's a position in the world okay this is Hava. She is the co-founder of the Queer Yeshiva in London and a student rabbi herself. The Queer Yeshiva specifically teaches Talmud to queer Jews. And there's clearly hundreds of Jews who have been cut off from the Torah, which I view as a kind of death, um, who desire, who are thirsty, who, who need to drink from the well of their tradition. Um, and are not being catered for in institution, Jewish institutional space. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a huge need. This interview was, I mean, it's really quite difficult to think of an adjective that describes. Yeah, we've repeatedly failed. Yeah. Mind, Electric is one. Mind altering. Yeah. Like, uh, it was nerve wracking yeah, at points. I was going to say nerve wracking. But. I've thought about it every single day since. Yeah. I'm not sure I've ever, I don't think I've ever learned. I think it's been a while since I learned so much in a short space of time. Yes. And we're really, really grateful to Hava for challenging us on a few key points. 
Would you mind talking from a personal perspective a bit more about how your uh, sexuality and your queerness and your faith play together? Faith is an extremely Christian word, I think. Okay. Um, I'm a Jew. You know, my mother's a Jew. I was raised a Jew. My mother's an atheist. So mm. this idea of faith is very... Yeah. I'm, I would call myself Da'ati. I would call myself religious. Like, I am a religious Jew. Mm -hmm. And this kind of, in some ways, causes problems in in the progressive Jewish movement because I'm quite, I'm 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 a bit more religious than is usual for progressive mm -hmm. Jews. Um, so the question of faith, uh, it, my 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 transness, my queerness, and my Jewishness never contradict one another because mm -hmm. they're just facets of my identity, um, and my selfhood and how I was raised. So this was a wild turning point in the interview uh -huh. because in the process sorry because we'd spent the last three interviews or in fact a lot of our research sort of like trying to find out what the relationship between queerness and faith in judaism is mm -hmm. and then when we're talking to Hava, we realized that distinction was like mute doesn't exist yeah and even that judaism doesn't fit inside the bracket we're trying to put it in because it isn't necessarily a faith which i kind of knew on some level but this is the thing about how we learn <laughs> about other religions in rs yeah you there's basically a massive difference between thinking you understand something and then trying to talk about it. That's what we have experienced during this episode. Yeah. Which is that the level of understanding you obviously have to have if you're going to then chat about it is so much more than when you're like, yeah, I pretty much understand this thing. And Absolutely. then it turns out that your very, your, your literal language demonstrates the shortcomings in your understanding. Absolutely. And this is why we had to turn this into two episodes yeah. because I feel like the research and making process had such a distinct turning point within it mm -hmm. that we had to honour the first part and the relative simplicity and sort of like basic grounding foundation knowledge. Yeah, thank God for thank Yaz God and for Rabbi Yaz. Judith because yeah. we, otherwise we would have been completely unprepared for the yeah. interview with Hava. Because it did feel like we've presented these interviews to you in the order that we did them and it did feel that just by chance each of them sort of brought us a bit deeper mm -hmm. it was like wading into a sea and i'm really glad that we had yaz and rabbi judith to set us off with because when we were talking to hava it felt like i felt like how it sometimes feels with um any massive idea or part of philosophy or like queerness itself we were just like whoa uh -huh. this is huge yeah i feel kind of like lost and tiny <laughs> and tiny yeah yeah and like a complete novice which we are we are next time on life of bi no one knows what a jew is Many Jews don't know what a Jew is. And it's important for Judaism to be spoken of in, in, in the way that it exists and it expands without narrowness. Judaism and queerness share the same flavor. Mm. You're, both, you're both inside and outside. Mm -hmm. You live in the nation and outside of it. You live in the community and outside of it. It's a queer, you're an other and not an other. 
You also have to learn your own history. Rabbi Judith Levitt just wanted us to let you know that she has an online community for progressive Jews called Abraham and Sarah's Tent. And um, Rabbi Judith's calling really is about making Jewish spaces accessible online for people who have COVID, long COVID, are elderly or housebound or disabled. And she just wanted us to give a little shout out. So you can find her on Facebook, Rabbi Judith Levitt, freelance progressive rabbi, and on Facebook on the page Abraham and Sarah's Tent. Life of Bi was written, edited and hosted by us, Elle Potter and Mary Higgins. Sound design and production by Tom Foskett-Barnes. This podcast is supported by Patreon. You can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash life of Bi. Special thanks to our interviewees, Yaz, Rabbi Judith Levitt and Hava. And hey, like we said at the beginning of the podcast, we would absolutely love your help with this crowdfunder. And if you've ever considered donating to the Patreon and always thought, I can't afford to pay every month, are they joking? (laughs) This is the perfect time for you. You could pay a one-off donation. Yes, it's not for the podcast, but it is still towards our work and still towards helping us make the work that we love and helping pay artists. So check out the website, crowdfunder.com forward slash the last show before we die and you'll be able to watch our little video there i actually think the web page is more complicated than that but just google crowdfunder <laughs> the last show before we die i repeat the last show before we die goodbye <laughs> <laughs>